Good morning. Gonna act like this podium doesn't weigh a thousand pounds while I move it up here. <laughs> So it's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, I'm uh, excited to be here. Uh, it's really interesting to um, to be a part of our church in particular because everyone has like everyone has little kids, right? And so um, seeing people show up, like when someone gets out of the car, you kind of never know which version you're going to get because you don't know what last night was like, right? And so. Um, you know, sometimes people get out, like everybody piles out of the car and everyone's happy and excited. Everyone's put together, like siblings are wearing matching clothes. Everybody's excited. And then sometimes people look at you and you're like, I don't know if I should talk to this person right now or not. Like, and you know, you, hey, good morning. How are you? Why do you ask? That, why would it, not you. Not you. That, run, that guy running, that's who I was, I was talking to them. Uh, you just keep going upstairs. You'll find them. Just walk to the room with the noise. Um... But no, it, uh, it, it's, always, it's always exciting to be here and be a part, and uh, particularly on a day when we're going to talk about rest, because I think rest is um, something that in our stage of life everybody needs, um, but I think we, uh, a lot of times we don't understand how to get it, and we don't understand what real rest is. Um, a lot of times we think that it is a pause from doing the things that we're doing and really it just creates a mountain of more things that have to be done and we find ourselves in this cycle of constantly pausing from what we need to do and it just building and so then we're trying to catch up and we just find ourselves in in this spiral where um, the rest that we're going to talk today about is something more permanent and something that happens as we go through life and something that it isn't found from a retreat and not that those things are bad like every every once in a while we do need to take time off take a retreat recharge the batteries and those kinds of things but but the rest that I hope that we discover today is an ongoing thing in our life and not just a not just a day or an hour here or there but something more permanent so uh, let's pray and, and we will dive in God thank you for this day and uh, for just giving us a chance to come and study your word. I pray as we do that um, that we would put aside um, ourselves and hear completely from you and that uh, your word would speak to us and that we would, we would adapt to it, that we wouldn't try to make it fit into <coughs> our thoughts or, um, or what we want, but that we would shape ourselves and mold ourselves to be like you and that we would just give ourselves over to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So if you will, turn uh, with me to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 7 as we continue our study of Hebrews. And um, <clears throat> as we've said before, Hebrews, um, it's, it's a very interesting book in that it, um, it will lay out some teaching, and then uh, there are several warnings that come. And so it, um, it's a challenging book, to teach because it, it's almost a little bit difficult to find a rhythm with it, but um, the rhythm that's there is a very good one because it it puts us immediately into a place of application. And if you were here last week, Tim taught about about rest and um, and the need for it and, and how it's found in, in biblical community. And then uh, today we see a warning on on how um, how it could come about that we would miss 
that rest. And so let's, uh, let's read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 together, and then we'll dive in. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by the faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered the rest, as he said, As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Amen. So as we, as we read that passage, it, it can be a little confusing because, um, you know, it, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like an inside joke works, right? Like if, uh, if you, if we have previous knowledge that we share, we can joke around about something and you get it and I get it because we all know the same thing, right? Like that's, that's how an inside joke works. And, um, this passage here, there's a, there's a lot that you have to know for it to make sense. And so for, uh, if you don't know the, the backstory of what the writer of Hebrews is referencing here, it's, it's a very difficult passage to understand. It's really easy to read and be like, that seems really confusing and, and convoluted and like just a lot of words all that don't seem to form thoughts. But if you understand the backstory, then you can, you can really get there. And so that's uh, kind of where I want to try to go today. Um, in the time that we have. So if you will, turn with me to Psalms chapter 95, which is one of the passages that gets referenced in here. And we'll talk about that one first, and, uh, and then we'll kind of uh, reference what, uh, what else is going on here. So Psalms chapter 95, and uh, we'll just go ahead and read the whole psalm. Uh, o come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with song of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, we are the people of his pasture. And the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test, and put me to the proof, though they had seen my my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, and said, They are a people who go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So this is the psalm that the writer of Hebrews is quoting, and it's a psalm of, of David, and, and it's this warning of, of we serve a great God who did all this. He created the earth. So there's, there's nothing that he can't handle. There's nothing that he can't do. But these people were not able to enter his rest because they were disobedient, because they didn't follow him in his calling. And so that 
um, this psalm is then referencing another. So if we're like if we're inception, we are three we're three dreams deep in inception now as to what's going on in this passage, uh, just so so that you're tracking. Um, but he's talking about uh, the people of Israel after they came out of Egypt. And so, um, if you like, we won't read it, but I'm about to, to tell you what happens in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, third layer of the dream. So, uh, basically, the, uh, Moses had led the people out of Egypt, right? And so, they had seen uh, God bring the plagues on Egypt, and finally, Pharaoh lets them go. They leave. Pharaoh decides he wants them back. They're chased out. They come to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They walk through. The most powerful force um, on the earth is then destroyed uh, by God in the Red Sea, wiping out the army of Pharaoh. So now there's no more threat um, to Israel. They go into the wilderness. Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. They build a calf idol. Moses comes back down. That gets destroyed. They go out into the wilderness they get lost for a little bit. They grumble. God uh, chastises them for that, corrects them, teaches them to depend on them. And now they arrive at the promised land. And they're about to go in. And, and so um, God tells them, choose 12 men and send them in to scope out the land, kind of see what's going on there. And, you know, let, let come back and give a report. So they go out and they come back and they say, the land is just like God said it was. Like we brought back some fruit from it and it's, it's truly a land flowing of milk and honey. It's, it's great there, but there's a problem. There are giants there. There are fortified cities and there are giants and it's too much for us to handle. It's too much. And so that's the report of 10 of the 12 spies. And then Joshua and Caleb say, no, like that's, like, God brought us this far. God can do this for us. Like, we know the God that we serve. We should go. And Caleb even says, like, God will give them over to us. They will be like bread to us. And he's essentially saying this will be a piece of cake. Because we're, like, we're going. God is just going to give them over to us. I don't care who they are or what they're like. or uh, There's nothing for us to be afraid of because God is just going to give them over to us. But the people... Uh, chose to follow the advice of the ten spies rather than Joshua and Caleb. And they said, it's too much. We can't, like, God just brought us out here so that, so that, we, could, so that we would die. And at this point, God becomes really angry. And, and he says uh, to Moses, these people won't follow me. They don't have faith in me. I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. And Moses steps in and says, God, don't do that. Like, what will the people of the earth say? Like, what will all these people who saw you bring them out of Egypt, what will they say if you just destroy them now? No, that's, that's not what you want to do. And so God sends them into the wilderness, and then, then they wander in the wilderness for 40 years until everyone from that generation is dead, and a new generation is there, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, the only two that remain, and they lead them in to conquer the promised land. And so um, the first thing that I want us to recognize is that entering that rest, like the, the ones that enter rest are the ones who do. And I think a lot of times, um, a lot of times we, we, like to, we like to think of the, of the Christian walk and think of someone 
who's a follower of Christ as someone who doesn't do. Right? Like, well, if you're a good Christian, you don't do these things. You avoid this stuff, and so if you're, as long as you're not doing those things, you're a good Christian. And the reality is, like, people of Israel made mistake after mistake after mistake. They made a golden calf that they worshipped. And when they came down, like, God judged them for it and punished them for it. But he didn't say, like, that's it, I'm done with you then. In the wilderness, they complained and and they grumbled and, and they complained against Moses and they frustrated Moses to no end. But God didn't say, that's it, like, I'm done with you then. At the point at which God was so frustrated that he was ready to be done with them is when they weren't willing to step out in faith and follow the calling that he had laid in front of them. A lot of times we think that being a Christian means not making mistakes. It means you live a perfect life and you don't ever mess up. But that's not it at all. Being a Christian is following God's calling day after day, stepping into that space, doing the things that God is calling you to do. And then little by little, he refines those uh, those sins out of your life because you are continuing to pursue him. You're continuing to follow him. You're continuing to chase after him. So entering rest is for those who do. Um, And inaction is what brings about the the wrath. If you were here this summer during during our series on parables, Tim taught on the parable of the talents. And that uh, is found in Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 14 through 30. We won't read it this morning, but uh, basically a master comes in and he gives gives talents to... um, his workers and, and he's, he gives to one five and, and to one two and to one one and the one with five like when he comes back he says look I made took the five and I doubled it and he said good job and the next one says I took what you gave me and I doubled it and he said good job and the next one comes and says I was afraid and so I hid your money in the ground and here it is back and he said you're worthless you should have at least invested it to make interest. How did you do nothing? Now take what he has and give it to the one who has the most. And again, it's not this like, it's this inaction. This, I'm too afraid, I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to do anything. And I want to tell you that, that that inaction is what causes tragedy. We, we, see, it in, we see it in the story of Jonah. Where God calls Jonah, he says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, that's not what I want to do. And he runs the other way. And God sends a storm and a whale and to get Jonah back to where he's supposed to be. And it's this, it's this inaction. I think one of, the, one of the most tragic stories in the Bible of lost potential is the story of Samson. And you see this man who's given this supernatural strength from God and, and is blessed in a way where he does these feats that, that no one else could do. He kills a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And you think about like you think about the kind of strength that that would take and, and the supernatural kind of event that it is. At one point, he goes out and he catches with his hands 300 foxes and he ties their tails together and ties his torch to them and sends them out to, to burn these fields down. And you just think about what, what that would take. And this guy's life is wasted and he never really frees Israel from their captivity because he's constantly pursuing what he wants. 
And he's constantly neglecting to follow the call of God on his life. And if you read it, it's a really tragic story. He winds up, he winds up blind and put on display. And, and at the very end of his life, he prays for God to give him strength one more time. And he's in this, in this party where he's essentially this trophy that's being mocked. And he's tied between two pillars and he pushes the pillars apart and the building falls in and it says he, he killed more in his, in his death than he had in his life. And what a tragedy that is that, that God put this person in place with this talent and ability and, and this person accomplished more in his death than he ever did in his life because he refused to follow that calling. And so if we're, if we're wanting to, to enter rest, it comes by following that calling. We'll see later on when we go into Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it's essentially called the hall of faith and you'll see that by faith and it names a person and what they did and if you just go through it by one after one after one, it's by faith and it's all, always followed by an action. By faith, this person did this for God. By faith, this person walked. By faith, this person and this thing was accomplished and this hero of faith was built because they were willing to step out and take that action. Uh, Galatians 9.24, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 9.24 says this, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run in a way that you may obtain it. <clears throat> it's saying that we're here, like we're here, we're, we are running. Why would we not run to win? Why would this life not be one, the one that counts? Why would today not be the day that matters? Why would, why would this conversation not be the one that's significant? Why would, why would this call not be the one that I need to make? We're running the race, running away to win. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This press on toward the prize, pressing on toward the goal, because ultimately when we follow God's plan for our life and when we do what he calls us to do, when we are living in him, that's where we find that rest. Because in that calling, when we find our place with him, we're totally dependent on him. And when he calls you to do that extraordinary thing and pushes you beyond your depth and then you're willing to say like, okay, God, I'm going to follow you today. I'm going to follow you in this. Then it's on him. And that fear and that anxiety that cripples us, that it's, it's no mistake that in chapter two, it said he conquered death and fear. Like that fear that cripples us and keeps us in place and that anxiety that, that causes us to work ourselves into a frenzy, that, that anxiety that causes us to do and do and do and do and do and try to make it on our own, those, like, those two things that, that cause us to run in place or be too crippled to walk forward are because we're not depending on him. But when we step forward into his calling, we're completely dependent on him, and that is where we will find ourselves at rest not from a place of inaction and not from a place of not doing anything, but in a place of following our calling and trusting for him to have the results. And that anxiety lifts and that fear lifts and all those things that, that you have to reach out for and like, I have to get this done, I have to do that, I have to accomplish this, 
I have to make sure that that happens. All of that stuff fades away and you're able to just faithfully work to press on toward the goal. There's nothing more freeing, at least for me, um, than running a race. When, uh, when I was in high school, I, um, I ran track and, and I loved the sprints. I was a sprinter and I loved to sprint because there was no other thought. It was as soon as the starter pistol goes off, you go and you run and you run as hard as you can until you get to the goal and you don't have to think about anything else. There's no other strategy. There's no anxiety. I'm going to run as fast as I can and I don't have to worry about anything else. And when we learn to let that fear go and when we learn to let that anxiety go and we, we learn to stop spinning our wheels because we're constantly trying to do for ourselves or for other people for what people think and we let all that go and we just depend on him and we say God what are you calling me to do today and we run out and do that thing that is where we find that rest John 14 verses 1 through 3 says this let not your hearts be troubled believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many rooms if it were not so I would have told you I go and prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is saying, like, I did it. My Father's house, there are many mansions. I'm going to go prepare the place for you. And if I go and prepare the place for you, I'm coming back to get you. So your calling is just to do what you're called to do today. What's in front of you today? And then put your faith that He who is going to prepare that place for you is going to come back and get you and take you that where he is, you may be also. Let, uh, let's pray and then we're going to, uh, we're going to receive communion. And um, as we do, the, the bay rings are, are going to come forward and, and the band's going to play. Um, just take a moment to put aside all the anxiety and, and fear of life and and just focus on God and say, God, what do you have for me to do today? What do you have for me this week so that I can fully be in your will and find that rest? Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you that it's not dependent on us. We don't have to follow a set of guidelines to the T without making mistakes that we don't have to we don't have to depend on our own strength to make everything happen that we can just find ourselves in your will run after you pursue you and trust you completely let that fear and anxiety be taken away so that we can rest knowing that we are fully in your will, doing what you have called us to do. God, I pray as we receive communion that we would remember what, uh, what you've done for us, that as we take the bread that signifies your body and, and the wine that signifies your blood, that we would remember that you paid the price, that you conquered fear and death, that you did the work, and that we would rest in the work that you did depending completely on you.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.